0: Hey, everybody, again, welcome back to the serverless show, where we try to round up all the latest uh, news, views, opinions, facts, and everything else that I think of on uh, serverless. And
1: with me again, my uh, co-host this week, uh, Tal. So, hi, everyone. Um, my name is Tal. If you want to meet me in person, come meet me up at uh, the upcoming event, talking uh, at uh, Hacker HackerAlted at uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and... Um, cloud-native and on Dallas, Texas next month on 13th and 14th in September.
0: Cool. Thanks, Tal. And this week our our guest uh, co-host, really happy to have with us, is uh, Mike Atkins from LaunchDarkly, who's also the author of the very famous software package EdgarFact, which I'm going to let him explain to you. So, uh, Mike, you can tell us a little bit about yourself, about EdgarFact, about LaunchDarkly, and then take it from there.
2: Sure thing. I'm also really happy to be here. So I work at LaunchDarkly, and LaunchDarkly makes it easy to put flags anywhere in your application. Uh, and normally people think of flags as something they use to manage their features so they can deliver new features to customers in a progressive manner. So being able to re- release something to a subset of users and then being able to see how they respond to it and base their uh, continued rollout of that feature Based on that feedback, and LaunchDarkly also is can be used for more ops kind of use cases. When you change a flag in our application, the update to your to your application is pretty much real time. So you can also use LaunchDarkly to turn things on and off. Like if something is causing a problem in your system, uh, you can turn it off, and it will take effect in your system immediately. Uh, and we are also talking about EdgeFX, which is. Uh, an application I made for the Amazon Echo about my dog. Uh, And I did that when it first came out, which I think was like 2014 or something. So this was in like, you know, four years ago when serverless was very, very nascent. And you had to develop the application on AWS Lambda. uh, And that kind of was the thing that first piqued my interest in serverless. It really changed my thinking about uh, how you design software in this serverless environment and sort of the power of serverless computing that led me to kind of design the system at the startup I was working at then using serverless, and it was it was really pretty effective. Cool. Well, again, thanks uh, for coming on today. We're really happy to have you, and we're going to talk about a couple things today. The first thing I wanted to
0: talk about uh, was a bunch of articles that I saw this week that had to do, I guess I would categorize them as, uh, you know, sort of as we mature in the market, where does serverless make sense? Where is it appropriate? Are we underhyping it? Are we over-hyping it? Are we misunderstanding it? Uh, particularly, um, there was an article by uh, our friend, uh, Tom McLaughlin, who talks a lot about uh, startups, and when he's seeing startups use uh, serverless and when they should be using serverless. Uh, I think the point he was making there was, uh, you know, if, you, if you're really, really strapped for funding, then serverless is definitely going to be something useful to you because you can really get started on a very small budget. But if you have a little bit more money, then it might be, um, you know, that that moving right to serverless directly isn't necessarily the best investment for you. I'm not sure I completely agree with Tom there, but I'm curious to hear uh, both your opinions. Let's start with you, Mike, on this sort of, uh, on the side of sort of a small company starting to use uh, serverless, does that that make a lot of sense to embrace serverless or is the pain of serverless going to be not worth it at first?
2: Yeah, so I've actually been in exactly that scenario um, where it was at a very small company and we made the decision to use uh, serverless. It actually... I think worked very well for us because, you know, when you have very little usage, uh, serverless is incredibly cheap. There's very little uh, you have to manage from kind of an ops perspective. Uh, Like if we were running our own EC2 instances or something like this, uh, we would need to have people that were monitoring those servers to make sure they don't crash. And if they do crash, they get restarted in a timely manner and these sort of things. but by using uh, serverless technologies, uh, we were able to sidestep all those problems. We just have to worry about our function's error rate, and normally if the error rate's high, that's a pretty easy, that's either a problem with our software or maybe we haven't allocated enough resources to each function, um, but that's a pretty easy thing to fix, and it allows you to move very quickly.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think I tend to agree, and I think uh, Tom was making the point I, I think uh, I've had a conversation, with him. I think part of it was that he's seeing a lot of startups that aren't using serverless, and I think he was sort of questioning, well, why is that? Uh, and I think his point was, uh, you know, if you're very familiar with a with different technology, like using containers or VMs to get what you want done, then maybe investing in figuring out how to do the thing right with serverless isn't the right investment for you at, at first. Maybe we'll do that later. Uh, I, I actually have seen quite a few startups. Uh, I think that fall into the category that you just described, where serverless really you know helps them move faster. It you know helps them alleviate having to deal with other pains like operations to a certain degree. So I guess you know we'll have to see how that plays out. Tom, what do you think in terms of uh, sort of the security angle of that? You know, if a, a startup uh, is you know about to deploy their you know to start authoring their their latest um, you know pet Tracking software, cloud-based software. Uh, w- would you say, from a security perspective, are they better off starting with serverless, or are they worse off? With? How do you How do you view that?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll start just by uh, with with bigger organization. Uh, I want to start with them. I think that for bigger organizations that that could spare the money, I think it might be a little difficult to just say, okay, we're going full serverless. But I see that on a few big enterprises and I think it's a good approach to start small and then just go, uh, if if everything works well, uh, just go and try to uh, move ahead with that and maybe take more parts and move to serverless. Because, yeah, again, eventually I think that the fact that you, you don't have to worry about your infrastructure would be a good investment. Regarding startups, I think, yeah, I think first, regardless of security i think that it's great if you you have an idea or you, you can start uh developing it or start writing code right from the beginning without the need to, to take care of everything i'm pretty sure that if serverless was here like five ten years ago five to ten years ago i wasn't here now but uh i think it, it's a great advantage Regarding security, I think that also could be a good uh, a good solution for startups. First, because the security for the infrastructures, the infrastructure also costs a lot of money. So, regardless of the cost difference between developing a, it on your own uh, infra or uh, on the cloud, the the security to patch your op- your operation system and to make sure that uh, you have installed the firewalls and agents and antivir- antiviruses and everything. It costs a lot of money so most startups in the past ten years you 'll see that most of them don 't have security and, uh, in the first years because they don 't have money to invest in security, so they just they don 't ha- really have a, a pro- uh, product running so they must uh, go ahead with the product and no money is left, no money or time, resources is left for security. And when you go to serverless, although you must take care of your of your security, um, of your solution, at least part of it is covered by, by the infrastructure, by the providers. So that's a good thing. Sure,
0: sure, interesting. So we talk a lot about how serverless applications have the potential to be extremely secure Uh, because of their granularity and the fact you can apply permissions very carefully and you can apply security policies very carefully.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's very carefully, but you're actually making a good point, which is if I'm a startup and I can't spend too much time on security, handing over uh, uh, a lot of the platform to AWS or or Microsoft or, or Google, uh, is inherently going to make me uh, more secure because it's just a, a bunch of more things which I wouldn't have secured that they will secure for me and maybe I can take my small, you know, budget for security and focus on the, care, the things I really need to care about. Uh, that's, that's a good point. So on, on the flip side of that, um, there was an article from Corio Daniel who you know, talked uh, in Medium about uh, his move away from serverless. And I thought that was interesting. You know, he had, uh, taking a serverless uh, service that he wrote, uh, API Gateway Lambda, and moved it over to uh, Elixir and, and, you know, running uh, non-serverlessly and how, how that, you know, was a, a lot of benefit for them. And I think a key piece there was cost, uh, but it wasn't the only piece. Um, I think the interesting point there is uh, I hear this a lot. I mean, you know, just serverless isn't necessarily cheaper for you, and I'm wondering – uh, I don't always view that as, as the right metric for why people should be using serverless technologies. Uh, so I'm wondering to you, Mike, you know, how do you see it? What's What are the key reasons why someone would go serverless? What are the key values and you know, what, what's really there to look out for? Is, is it cost or is it other things?
2: Yeah. So I think one thing to keep in mind about that article is that the author makes a point that he was working in a company that had a very good ops team already established. So it was actually, they had kind of this advantage that to not use serverless because they had a team that would do a great job maintaining his Alexa service. um, And many other organizations, uh, if they've invested in serverless, maybe they don't have that same ops um, capabilities. So it's not just a simple, how big is the AWS check that I'm writing a month, spinning up an ops team for less than 12 grand that would be able to like handle this kind of load. Uh, it seems difficult. So I, I think that, you know, for for this particular use uh, at this company where they have a good ops team, I think, like, his decision makes total sense. But, you know, in a different company that has, like, a different spread of capabilities, it might not, the same decision might not make sense.
0: Right, right. I think he makes that point a little bit at the end of his article as well. Um, but, I, you know, one of the other things I like to, to to point out is, you know, very often cost isn't the right metric, right? So to me, you know, Uh, serverless architectures if you can manage the sprawl and the complexity of them can be much faster to update so you can have much higher feature velocity in your application or you can you can roll out new bug fixes and new features more quickly so that's I think to a lot of organizations that's a big value so even if I'm paying more somehow for it uh, the fact that I can move faster I can modify things more quickly I think uh, is a a real value and then obviously there's security to test you know we we think there's a there's a whole bunch of improvements when you move over to serverless uh, for security that are also uh, you know values people should focus on uh, and then, so in this same topic still of, of uh, serverless and where to use it and where not to use it, uh, there was another article that I thought was interesting from uh, Matt say I think it was over in Tech, Tech Republic. Uh, and that was actually uh, maybe uh, coming back to something you said earlier, Tal, talking about why serverless is actually making really quick progress in large enterprises, and mainstream, mainstream enterprises. And they, I know that for us, when we started this whole project in particular of doing serverless security, that was one of the interesting pieces was, even as far back as a year and a half and two years ago, there were a lot of big established companies talking about how they were using serverless and i thought that was really interesting and i think that's continuing and he has this uh the, you know this you know the sub you know the sub, uh, title you know to the article which was serverless is barely out of diapers yet mainstream enterprises are already looking to it to help them leapfrog containers mm-hmm. and i kind of keep in on that whole leapfrogging containers so is that something like you, you think is going to is going to happen a lot in big enterprises where they're going to go hey I'm, I'm just about to hit to the cloud now or, or build something new for the cloud or repurpose something i wrote 30 years ago in Cobol. Uh, maybe I don't need containers and VMs at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, so whenever an enterprise makes something like some kind of transition like this, it's like a, a extreme investment in the what they think technology is going to do in the future. So I think this maybe is more of an indication of what things that these enterprises are willing to, to bet on in the longer run. Because if you don't do containers and you just go straight to serverless, it seems like you're basically saying I am betting sort of the future of my company more on this serverless trend that seems to be picking up steam, and less on containers. So it's an interesting gamble.
0: Um, Yeah, and and, and I think we'll have to see, obviously, how that plays out, but obviously, uh, I think if you you compare this to the container world uh, and how it sort of started up, uh, there's definitely more people in large enterprises at least making noise about serverless, uh, I think you're right that the the you know rubber may hit the road at some point and someone might say, Well, I'm not really necessarily willing to bet my entire uh, you know, you know, software development future on this. I, I wanna, you know, mix things, I wanna use serverless where it makes the most sense, I wanna experiment. And I know it's early uh, for the technology, and so people are trying to figure out as well how do I build large project of serverless, how do I operate them, how do I monitor them. So obviously it's still early days for that. Let's let's shift gears a little bit and talk about uh security uh Tal. So I, I saw an article uh, from, again, from Tom McLaughlin, a uh, good friends of ours, and, uh, you know, he tried to do kind of an overview from a DevOps perspective on, Security and serverless, and, and sort of, you know, wh- where are your responsibilities as an organization using serverless? What do you need to be focused on? Um, and I thought it was a good, it was a good kind of high-level article to help, you know, help bring people on board, you know, as they make that shift to serverless. Thinking, okay, what do I need to care about in terms of application security? In terms of infrastructure, uh, you know, where, where do I need to focus my my efforts? So tell, if you look at that in general, and then. More specifically, what are the pieces of that that you would say are are most critical to organizations?
1: It's a good article. It covers the basic and most discussed topics of uh, serverless security, like shared responsibilities, what you are responsible for and what you're not. So, for example, you are not uh, responsible for the operation system, so attacks like Spectre and Meltdown won't happen, but on the other hand, you don't control the, the infrastructure, so if AWS or or Azure or Google wants to uh, patch it or to update it for security reason or not, it might affect your uh, your application. In terms of uh, security, he mentioned that it, it's very important that the, your environment will be monitored. So you, you should use either the tools that pro, uh, given by the providers or uh, get your own tools to to get an insight of what happens on your on your uh, on your environment. Um and and then like uh fine-grain your security and see what happens. Maybe you have um security breach. So you, you need to you don't see it as a whole, so you need to use these tools. Another thing that he mentioned is the all the application security is probably the the newest part here. Uh, because things change. So we've discussed this uh, a few times in the past, how you do authentication on a stateless application, how you deal with the new injection type, which is uh, event injection, event-driven, and uh, attacks that are not coming from the API call but could come from different ways, for, like queues or emails, etc. And, yeah, e-summarize it. With the fact that, like, if you if you take monolithic operations, operation teams, and put them on serverless, they will probably be minimized with the 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 delivery process, with how fast things are going, and this is probably going to happen to security professionals also in the organization. So, if you put uh, monolithic security-oriented professionals on on a serverless environment, they might get lost because you need to deal with so many functions and so many resources and and, and the continuous delivery is much faster than the monolithic uh, uh, application. So, my opinion, in one word, you need automation for that. Absolutely. I, I
0: think I agree that uh, a lot of the paradigms and tools have to shift and adapt to this new world. And, uh, we know that, with as, with as with lots of other areas, uh, it, it never happens as fast as it needs to happen, but it does eventually get there. And certainly, people shifting to serverless should be focused on, you know, what what are they what, what can they not do anymore, which is great. How can they repurpose people doing that to things that they should be doing, and what tools are out there to help them? And I think it's really important. Maybe Mike, bring this back to you. Uh, in the space of security, can organizations leverage things like feature flagging to help them with security are there are there ways to leverage that not just to be turning on and off features to be testing them out or or to to you know have different tiers of customers, but can that be used to help help you with security
2: yeah, so if you think about um, kind of like how software systems are are built nowadays, they have many many moving parts of them, like in a serverless application, you could have hundreds of functions, so if you realize that some aspect of your system is like currently under attack by somebody and you want to shut it down. Sometimes it's quite difficult because you'd have to identify all the functions that are affected and then like shut them down. So if you were using uh, feature flags to um, turn on and off pieces of your application uh, from sort of a way that you would think of it conceptually, like say your event ingestion system is under attack and it is composed of hundreds of functions. Then you have a feature flag that decides whether or not the invent ingestion system is used, you could, you know, turn off the entire system with this one flag. It would allow you to react to some kind of attack. Uh, and similarly, like, you can use flags to target individual users of your system, and you could even do it by session or something like this. So if you realize that, you know, people with that are connecting with some Session attribute are doing something malicious. You can kind of shut them out of your application with with feature flags
0: or even shut them out of part of your application. I guess with feature flags. Right? Yes, exactly. And how? I'm just, just out of curiosity. How quickly does that propagate when I when I turn something off? How fast does it turn off?
2: Yeah, it's quite fast. Uh, it's normally within uh, 200 milliseconds is when a, your application will see a flag update.
0: Yeah,
2: so you can really quickly turn
0: something off if you think it's misbehaving. So cool. So you're basically saying uh, I can use that for for I wanted to say fine-grained control, but in in some ways it might be more coarse-grained than than what you have in serverless saying I, I have hundreds of functions, but you know, to disable a feature, uh, you know, that I want to turn off, I need to make a bunch of changes in a bunch of places or disable a bunch of things. Uh, by using using by carefully using feature flagging, I could actually make sure I could turn things on and off very you know at the right granularity for me, as opposed to having to go sort of chase little functions and do things to them.
2: Yeah, I don't think of it quite as a difference between coarse and fine grained but it's like a different. Type of grain like uh you know you you can you have very fine grain control over each uh function within the system, but that might not be how you sort of would want to conceptualize the system uh, as like a sort of like non technical person considering it It's a difference between like how the system is built and how the system uh, functions mm mm-hmm. you know like you can you're able to turn off pieces of it without. Intimate knowledge of how this system is built. Makes sense.
0: Uh, cool. So uh, one last piece I wanted to touch on before we do our favorite tweet is just to mention, uh, shout out to the guys at our friends at serverless.com uh, on their Series A funding. I think that's really cool. Uh, I think it's a, a really good vote of confidence from the investment uh, side of the world into this industry of serverless, understanding this is a really big part of how organizations are going to be deploying software, and that companies like serverless.com that are really at the forefront of how you get your serverless software running and operate it and, and, and manage it uh, are really important to the ecosystem. So I think that's a great vote of confidence for, for, the whole, for them, obviously, but also for the whole space. So shout out to them. So let's shift gears and do our little final segment where we talk about our favorite uh, tweets of this week uh, or the
2: past couple of weeks. Uh, and let's start with uh, with you, Mike. Yeah. So I picked this one from the, uh, this uh, Kenny pig guy who is a cloud economist. And the tweet is that uh, it's kind of this imagined dialogue between someone that's like worried about their infrastructure spend, but they have a very low AWS bill. Uh, so his point is that you know if you're only spending $500 a month on AWS, your serverless isn't gonna probably isn't a reasonable investment because the amount of time it'll take you to transition your system to serverless, as far as uh, developer costs, will never match your operations savings. Um, yeah. Which is true, but it's also kind of like you know if somebody's running a software company that is only spending $500 a month on AWS and they aren't planning to grow at all. That's like uh, probably not a good business anyways. Um, I think that if you, if you were to reconsider this from a perspective of, you know, how much is the business planning to grow, then you, it's a much more interesting conversation. Right. Uh, Like if you're spending $500 now, but maybe two years from now you'd be spending like uh, $50,000 a month. Um, The investment in serverless probably does make sense because as you scale a system up, uh, you're gonna run into a lot of unexpected behaviors. Uh, And I think you're able to control those unexpected behaviors uh, through growth in a serverless system a little bit better than you are in a, a more conventional system. Sure. Sure, and it goes
0: back to what I said earlier, that cost is not the only factor, I think, in, in shifting to this. Uh, Tal,
1: what was your favorite uh, tweet this week? So my favorite tweet uh, tweet is from Dan, Dan Frommer, and it's kind of relating to what we mentioned about the serious A funding of uh, Serverless Inc. He mentions a talk that they're going to give on OSP, uh, on OSP Israel in uh, this coming uh, September. And I think it's great because uh, first of all, we're going to be there too. Hello, uh, you're going to uh, I will be there. Yeah. You're going to be there too. So come here as two uh, as well. But the point is that I'm happy to see that many companies are underst understand that this is where things are, the technology is going and that uh, more and more to- you can see more and more talks about serverless and serverless security, which is an important part of it. Also kudos to those, those guys from functional one. Um, we'll see them too. Cool.
0: Yeah, we look forward to seeing them there. Uh, so my favorite uh, tweet came from uh, Paul Johnson this week. He uh, was a friend of mine, and uh, yeah, I don't deny it, but uh, I still li- I liked his tweet, uh, and it was really uh, sort of highlighting that uh, sometimes you know we in security get accused of you know promoting fear and FUD, but this is sort of about you know you know the notion that one person has one bad experience with something like serverless because they get some sort of runaway function. Costing them thousands of dollars a month because they misconfigured something, and then suddenly, serverless is terrible and dangerous for everyone. Uh, and and how you know we need to we need to learn how to take some of this, uh, you know, the noise that we're getting on the edges of things and the fringes of things, and 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 take it into perspective. When we when you hear about hundreds and thousands of other teams that are using the technology successfully, so I thought it was it was a it was a good lesson. It also it does highlight that sometimes we it's more fun to hear about the horror stories, but there is quite a bit of good going on.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe hard coding a secret into your mobile application when it just came out, then having someone hack your your application, and then saying, "Oh, mobile is not secure," something like right.
0: that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. Well, I, thank you guys very much, Mike. Thanks so much for being on the show with us this week. I really
2: appreciate it. Really interesting. Oh yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: And Tal, always uh, glad to have the chance to talk to you uh, with and without the people watching. So uh, we'll catch you guys again in a couple of weeks.